Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Thursday afternoon to you, Jacksonville. It is a special edition of Hacker After Dark here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us. Boy, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This kind of feels familiar a little bit. I, I don't know. Something something says I've been in this time slot once or twice in the past here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We are certainly glad you've decided to spend some of your Thursday afternoon with us. We got a lot to do here on a special edition of Hacker After Dark. The Tennessee Titans, what are they doing in Nashville? They're already resting or not playing a dozen or so players, and now we've come to find out that Josh Dobbs, yeah, that Josh Dobbs, the former Jaguar, a guy that's been on the Titans roster for less than two weeks, is going to start tonight for Tennessee as they have essentially benched rookie quarterback Malik Willis. What does that mean moving forward? Well, more on that in a moment. We'll go to Nashville. Mickey Ryan, 104.5, the zone up in Nashville. He's also part of the Titans radio network. We'll preview Tennessee and Dallas, kind of get their thoughts on the AFC championship game, which is now 10 days out. What are they saying up in Nashville? Mickey Ryan coming up later on in the program. The Jaguars have a little piece of business before then. Obviously, Jacksonville and Houston on Sunday. Aaron Wilson, who's covered the NFL for many, many years. He's now based out in Houston. He will come on to give us the Texans side of the Jaguars and the Texans matchup. That is less than 20 minutes away. In the 3 o'clock hour, Florida State plays today in the Cheez-It Bowl down in Orlando as they look for a 10-win season as they take on the Oklahoma Sooners. Kurt Weiler of the Osceola, that is the Rivals.com website covering Florida State. He is in Orlando. He will join us coming up in about an hour's time. And at the bottom of the 3 o'clock hour, my friend Vic Carucci, longtime NFL writer. You hear him now on Sirius XM NFL Radio. We'll talk Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk Doug Peterson. We'll talk Jags and Titans and how he sees the next 10 days playing out. That's Vic Carucci coming up later on in the 3 o'clock hour. But glad you're with us on a Thursday. As always, on Hacker After Dark, we kick it off with a big deal, dare we say, of the afternoon and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No big deal. It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. So we have kind of a 50-50 split. We got two big deals that I want to get into as we kick it off here on a special edition of Hacker After Dark. Number one, the Tennessee Titans. They play tonight against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys need the game to keep their NFC East hopes alive. Tennessee does not need this game, and they are showing that with their actions. For Tennessee, it is all about preparing for Jacksonville a week from Sunday. They are sitting a dozen or so players and within the last hour, they have come out and said Malik Willis will not be the starting quarterback. 
it will be Josh Dobbs, who, as we mentioned, has been on the Titans roster for less than two weeks. Now, let's think about this logically for a second. You're going to throw Josh Dobbs out there without Derrick Henry, who's likely not to play tonight, without anything resembling your starting offensive line, most of whom are injured and not playing tonight. What can Josh Dobbs really do? Are they worried about an injury to Malik Willis? Is that their concern and they're resting Malik Willis? Or is this a flat-out benching? On the surface, it appears to be a flat-out benching. And if that's the case, then what do we expect when Tennessee comes into Jacksonville for the AFC South Championship game a week from Sunday? Ryan Tannehill, and I'm going to ask Mickey Ryan up in Nashville about this later on here in the 2 o'clock hour. Is it realistic at all to think or assume that Ryan Tannehill will be able to play against the Jaguars? All indications are he will not be able to play. High ankle sprain, he had surgery on it. He had the uh, the Tua surgery, right? Tua had the same thing when he was at Alabama to try to speed up the recovery from a high ankle. But to think Ryan Tannehill will be ready to play 10 days from now to me is very far-fetched. So if you're going to be without Ryan Tannehill, you got to come to Jacksonville, you got to win the game. You've benched your third-round rookie tonight. What kind of message is that? And now you're going with Josh Dobbs. What is Tennessee doing? It is an amazing situation up there. Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, is handing the, handling this completely different than Doug Peterson here in Jacksonville. Doug Peterson yesterday said that, no, it's full steam ahead. The Jaguars are playing their guys against Houston. I said last night on Hacker After Dark, because Trayvon Walker and because Foley Fadakasi are once again on the injury report, for the third consecutive week, both guys have missed the last couple of ball games. I would not play Walker, and I would not play Fadakasi against Houston. I need those two as healthy as humanly possible for that Tennessee game on January 8th, particularly now with Dewan Smoot being out. You got to have Walker, and you got to have Fadakasi. And if that means sitting them out against Houston, giving them that extra week of rest, that's fine, as long as they're ready to go for the AFC South Championship game. I would also consider sending out Brandon Scherf, but I don't believe the Jaguars are going to do that because if you're going to play Trevor Lawrence, you want your starting offensive line in there. Sheriff's had an abdomen injury the last couple of weeks that he's played through. He had that nasty-looking ankle injury in New York that he came back from and finished the game, but Brandon Sheriff showed up on the injury report yesterday limited in practice with an abdomen and an ankle. In a perfect world, you sit him out to get an extra week of rest. But I get it. If you're going to play Trevor, you want your best offensive lineman out there. So to me, the only realistic scenario, if you're going to rest anybody, if you've decided you're going to move forward and play your guys, and you might sit a couple of guys with some nagging issues, to me, that's Fadakasi and that's Walker. Sit him out against Houston, have him ready, for Tennessee. So Peterson's playing his guys. Vrabel is not. Now, Mike Vrabel is a former NFL coach of the year. The guy obviously knows what he's doing. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. He obviously knows what he is doing. But it's two very different uh, approaches 
to the division championship game next Sunday. Mike Vrabel sitting guys, Doug Peterson playing guys. Which will work out? We'll have to wait until next Sunday to see what happens. Some more on the Titans and the Cowboys and exactly what is going on up in Nashville. Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville later on in the 2 o'clock hour. Florida State later on this afternoon in Orlando against Oklahoma looking for their 10th win of the year. Raise your hand, not if you're driving, but if you're in an office or your house, somewhere where you can raise your hand safely. Raise your hand if you thought Florida State, back on August the 20th, would be going for 10 wins this season. I imagine not many hands are being raised in Jacksonville, Florida. What an amazing job by Mike Norvell. What an amazing job by that coaching staff, by Jordan Travis, by everybody involved with that football program. Mike Norvell did not win ACC Coach of the Year. He should have. I know Elko did a good job at Duke. He didn't do the job Mike Norvell did. People thought Florida State was a dumpster fire coming into this year. I was guilty of it. Most of you were too. Will Mike Norvell be on the hot seat? Will he lose his job if they don't go to a bowl game for a third consecutive year? That was the talking point coming into this season in Tallahassee. All Florida State did is absolutely beat to death Miami. Just beat Miami to a pulp. Put 45 on the Canes. Also put 45 on the Gators. Florida State controlled the state of Florida this year on the field. Beating Hurricanes, beating Gators, putting 90 points combined on them. Good grief. Jordan Travis, one of the most improved players in the country. Boy, and what Mike Norvell did in the transfer portal last year with Johnny Wilson, with Pittman, with Jared Verse, just to name a few. And you know what? He's doing it again. Do you know these recruiting websites, Rivals, 24-7, On3, they now have transfer portal rankings to go along with their recruiting rankings. And right now, Mike Norvell and Florida State Number one again in the transfer portal. They've brought in about three or four guys already that will start for them in 2023. Jaheim Bell, tight end South Carolina. He's a good player. They brought in a defensive lineman from Western Michigan, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country in the transfer portal. They brought in a couple of offensive linemen that were coveted by USC, Notre Dame. Both of them chose Florida State. What Mike Norvell is doing in the portal, people need to take notes on. Billy Napier, you see what Mike Norvell is doing in the portal? Why can't you do that? Because Florida State is getting great players out of the portal. And by the way, Florida State, a lot of their guys that could go pro are coming back. Jordan Travis coming back. He's just one of several that have already announced their intention to come back for 2023. Florida State's going to be a preseason top 15 team. Maybe preseason top 10 coming into 2023. And they're going to win their 10th game of the year tonight after they absolutely destroy Oklahoma. So college football has a very quick way of changing the narrative. And boy, in the last three to four months, 
my goodness, how the narrative has been changed in Tallahassee. They went from hot seat, dumpster fire, is he the right guy for the job, to now he should have been coach of the year. They're going to be preseason top 10 in 2023. They're absolutely cleaning up again in the portal, and they're going to be a 10-win football team this year. So say what you will about Mike Norvell in the past, tip your cap to him right now. Because Florida State is the state champion, and they're going to win their 10th game of the year. Kurt Weiler of the Osceola, that is the Rivals.com website that covers Florida State. He's in Orlando getting ready for the Cheez-It Bowl. He's going to join us in the 3 o'clock hour to not only set the scene for the game this afternoon, but what does the future hold? Guys coming back, the portal, how will this team look in 2023? We'll talk with Kurt Weiler about all that coming up in just a bit. So as you can tell, we are very busy. NFL talk, college football talk, and the Jaguars-Texans. Jacksonville goes to Houston on Sunday. They have not beaten the Texans since opening day of 2017. Opening day since 2017. That was the Coyus Campbell game. Remember the three-sack game and Campbell's debut here in Jacksonville? That's as far back as you got to go. That was Deshaun Watson's first ever game in the National Football League. You got to go back a long, long time to when the Jaguars beat Houston. Nine wins in a row for the Texans, including beating Jacksonville here in week five, 13-6. Obviously, the Jaguar team is a lot different now than what it once was. In week five, the Jaguars had Zay Jones catching two passes for 12 yards. I'm sorry, three passes for 12 yards. And Christian Kirk caught one pass for 11. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to tell you that I feel very confident that Zay Jones and Christian Kirk combined on Sunday will have more than four catches for 24 yards. It is a different Jaguar team. It is a chance for Trevor Lawrence to right one of his wrongs. He'll tell you. The two games he wants back, he wants back Houston, and he wants back Denver and London. Well, you can't do anything about Denver. You don't play them again. But you get a second chance at Houston. You get a chance for redemption against the Texans, and we'll see if Trevor Lawrence takes advantage of that. We'll go to Aaron Wilson, longtime reporter for the National Football League, has worked for many different outlets. He's now based in Houston, Texas, and he will join us to give us the Texan side of this matchup coming up in just a bit. But it is the giving season. Christmas has come and gone, but we're on the cusp of the new year. We're givers here on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Hacker After Dark, a special edition of Hacker After Dark. It's what we do. And right now, if you want to go see Todd Golden and Gator basketball, boy, they had a tough one last night almost pulling off a big upset over Auburn. They let it get away there in the final moments, but they played hard. They played Texas A&M. Denmark, what is that, the fourth day of January in Gainesville? I believe that's correct. January 4th, Florida, Texas A&M in Gainesville. If you want to go, we got a pair of tickets for you right now at 641-1010. Be caller number four in 1010XL. We'll send you to Gainesville. For Florida, Texas A&M hoops coming up in the first week 
of January. More on the NFL, more on the Jags Texans. Aaron Wilson out in Houston next on Hacker After Dark. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Texans, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear it right here on 1010XL as the Jaguars look to break a nine-game losing streak to the Houston Texans and get ready for an AFC South championship game a week from Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. Aaron Wilson has covered the NFL for many years. He's now with KP. RC Television in the Houston area, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Aaron, how we doing? Great, how are you? Aaron, we're good, man. Thank you for the time. Boy, let's start right there. A nine-game winning streak for the Texans. I know you were at the Lovey Smith press conference earlier this week. He talked about that. It's an anomaly, Aaron. I mean, the Jaguars and the Texans have been very even but, boy, Houston has found a way to win nine games in a row in this series. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but you know, a lot of it's sort of a combination of, at times, Jacksonville hasn't been very good, and at times they've had some injuries, and there have been other times where their quarterbacks were earlier in their development, meaning Trevor Lawrence, and you know, sometimes the Texans have you know, played some good football games against Jacksonville. And, you know, I don't think there's any real, like, common – Bread to all the wins, but it's a really long winning streak. And yeah, if I'm the Jaguars, I'd be pretty determined to you know, beat the Texans at this point after losing so many times in a row to a team that's 2 12 and 1. So, you know, be, I think for the Jaguars to not be able to win this game. Well, what's interesting about Houston, 2 12 and 1, yet. They tie Indianapolis. They go into Nashville and beat the Titans. They come to Jacksonville earlier this year, and they beat the Jaguars. I mean, Houston has the opportunity to win four division games this right. year. They're not as bad as their record, Ryan, but they have lost five one-score games, including Dallas and Kansas City in recent weeks. So there's been a lot of games I feel like they should have won, but they just didn't get it done. And – they do play hard. There's a lot of buy-in from the players and some pride. And there's a few talented players. That, missing a guy, though, that really greatly impacted the first game. That was Damian Pierce, their rookie running back. He's on injured reserve, and, you know, we'll see him next season. Aaron Wilson, KPRC Television in Houston here with us on 1010XL. Aaron, is there a concern out there that winning a couple of games here at the end may cost Houston the number one pick in the draft? from fans and some members of the media that seem like they act like it's their draft pick, not the franchises. Uh, I, I'm not among that group, but I think they should try to win. I think you should always try to win. I don't see any downside. I don't think these players are that good or that generational that if you're a two instead of one, that it's that big a deal. I don't think the Chicago bears are going to, draft a quarterback they've got Justin Fields so you know if you're picking it two, you could still get without even having to trade you can still get the quarterback if somebody leapfrogs you for one quarterback there's other quarterbacks it's not like it's a one quarterback draft there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft Aaron what is the thought on Davis Mills moving forward 
You mean in terms of next season or just like what kind of quarterback he is, like what level he's at? Is he that? in is he in the future plans in any capacity out there? Sure. I mean he would probably be the starting quarterback in the off season. I would think that he would be the backup here and they would keep him, you know, on the roster if they do have a rookie starter. I think eventually, yeah, you would see him know i would say you know give away but you know that's always i would say you know kind of a you don't know what's gonna happen the development all of those things so for me to sit here and say right now not even knowing who's going to be on the team what level they'll be at for me to say accurately i i'm sure it'll go this certain way you know that's not really uh it doesn't make a lot of sense but what I expect, what I project, is that eventually he'll be replaced. Yeah. A couple of more for Aaron Wilson, KPRC Television in Houston. Aaron, it looks like the young guys are really stepping up. I watched Christian Harris last week have a big game against Tennessee. You mentioned Damian Pierce before the injury with Cleveland struggles. They're going to have some high draft capital again. This might not be a, a quick rebuild, but I think they're going to have some pieces in place here in Houston sooner rather than later. Right. Yeah. I mean, they had a pretty good draft. Derek Stingley Jr., who's also an injured reserve and had the interception against the Jaguars, helped them win that game. They have Jalen Petrie. They have Christian Harris. Christian and Petrie both had interceptions against the Titans. I think there's some talent here. Kenyon Green's got to play better, but he's had some ups and downs um, this season. But, you know, he's still talented young player. He's only 21 years old, so he's got some growing to do as a just a younger guy that still learning how to play in the NFL. I would say they have some pieces. There's some other young players like John Grenard and Obo Akaronquo. And you look around, you know, in secondary, there's you know some talent. I think the secondary is pretty good. They have two good offensive tackles and Larry Tunsil is one of the best in you know, my book and a lot of people's book. And Titus Howard, real physical right tackle. Aaron, I've told you this in the past. You do as good a job as any national NFL media type Thank covering you. the AFC South than anybody. And you've had a oh, lot I of experience, and I, I, I really do mean that. And so I'm curious, just your reaction to what's happened here in Jacksonville over the last six weeks. Well, they've engineered a real turnaround. What they've done is impressive. It's impeccable. And a lot of that I would attribute to Doug Peterson, his leadership and the things he's done and the systems he's put in. I think he's done an outstanding job. And, yeah, there's a lot of respect for Doug around the NFL. Doug is a Super Bowl-winning coach. And I don't think it's easy to work for the Eagles. I think Kyrie Roseman and Lurie don't make it very easy on a coach. And, you know, he had some things that he believed in strongly. And, I would say that led to him being out of Philly as much as anything, just kind of like, you know, what he wanted, the kind of working conditions he wanted to be under. And in Jacksonville, I think he's got a very coach-friendly owner. You do what you're supposed to do and you're winning and you're on top of it the way he is, then Shad Khan, Tony Khan, those are good guys to work for. You know, Doug Peterson obviously had a great quarterback or a potentially great quarterback to mold here in Trevor Lawrence. In the London game, we always look back to the London game, how bad he was against Denver. He'll even admit that. 
And Aaron, since that point around Halloween, you could argue Trevor's been among the top 10, maybe even top five quarterbacks in the league. I mean, what a transformation for Trevor over the last eight weeks. Right. I mean, Trevor always could make all the throws. He's got a lot of tools. He's been well coached. He's very fundamentally sound. I think he just needed to stop thinking so much and just let it go, cut it loose and play more instinctively. And, you know, same goes for a lot of these young quarterbacks like Davis Mills. Davis Mills coming off a good fourth quarter was nine for nine, under three yards and game winning touchdown. And how does that happen? Well, you know, it, it takes time for them to have the muscle memory, for them to feel confident and for them to kind of get out of their own head and get out of their own way. And the process is different for every young quarterback. But the only real way to learn is to be out there doing it and to fail some. You have to fail before you're going to succeed. Aaron Wilson, KPRC in Houston. Aaron, as we begin to wrap up, how is this game in Houston on Sunday being viewed by the Texans? The Jaguars are in the unique spot where no game is meaningless in the regular season, yet let's be honest, everybody's talking about the AFC title game in Week 18 yet the Jaguars have to go out to Houston here in Week 17. What's the thought in Texan circles about the Jaguars coming in on Sunday? I mean, they're expecting the Jaguars to try to win. They don't think the Jaguars are going to rest people. Doug Peterson said that. He's on the record. I believe him. I think that you try to keep the momentum going, and I don't think that intentionally losing or trying to win with anything less than your best effort is a good idea for the Jaguars. So my expectation is going to be, they go for it, and that's what the Texans think is going to happen. But Texans are feeling a little confident lately. They're playing some better football. They're boosted a bit by good performances against Kansas City and Dallas. And they're still a team that's hungry. They finally won a game. They'd like to win another game. That's the approach. That's what they think. Aaron, final question. I've been warning people all week. I'll continue warning people here in Jacksonville all of next week. Tennessee, I know they look down. I know they're injured. I know they're banged up. It does not look good. Mike Vrabel, Derrick Henry, there's something about that team, something about that logo. They got a voodoo over the Jacksonville Jaguars going back all the way to the 99 AFC title game. That is not going to be easy a week from Sunday, and I hope the Jaguar fans that are listening realize that Tennessee is the AFC South champion until they're not. The Jaguars are going to have to play their A game at home next Sunday to win the division. And I agree they'll have to tackle Derrick Henry. The biggest problem they have right now is quarterback. Malik Willis is just not playing very good football. He was deficient against the Texans. That's why they lost the football game for the most part. Well, we'll see what happens. The Jaguars are one home win away from one of the better NFL comebacks from three and seven, uh, what, six weeks ago to potentially winning the AFC South. Aaron, know you're busy this time of year, man. Thank you for the time. Have a happy new year. We'll talk again in 2023. All right. Very good. Talk to you soon. Always appreciate Aaron Wilson out there in Houston for joining us. And again, if you just missed it, Malik Willis apparently has been benched by head coach Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. Joshua Dobbs, who was here in Jacksonville, right? Remember him from his days at the University of Tennessee, was here in Jacksonville for a couple of uh, cups of coffee, and he gets picked up by the Titans about two weeks ago, and bam, in the starting lineup. And when you think about it, obviously this appears on the surface that they've given up on Malik Willis this year. Why would you bench a third-round rookie before a game like this, I mean, you want to get him as much work as you can 
leading into next Sunday. So to me, this is a situation where you see what Dobbs has tonight. If he's any good, you put him back out there against Jacksonville. All indications are Ryan Tannehill with the high ankle, even though he had the surgery, will not be ready to go next Sunday. I, I, I keep hearing how tough Ryan Tannehill is. There's tough, there's stupid, and then there's ridiculous. You can be tough, and I don't doubt Ryan Tannehill's tough. To put him out there two and a half weeks after high ankle surgery is stupid and ridiculous. And I, I just can't imagine a scenario where he would be cleared by medical personnel to be able to do that. So we'll see what happens with the Titans at the quarterback position, but uh, not where Tennessee would want to be heading into the AFC title, AFC South title game one week from Sunday. Well, more on the NFL, more on the Jaguars, more on the Titans in just a bit. But Denmark, we got some uh, some sad news to pass along. This just on Hacker After Dark. You know, you don't have to be a big soccer fan or football in other parts of the world. You don't have to be the biggest fan to know the name Pele. Um, one of, if not the best, best soccer players that has ever lived. 82 years old in Brazil, uh, just a legend, an absolute legend in the world of international football, has sadly passed away today at the age of 82. You just look at the numbers that Pele put up. The guy scored 12 goals in World Cup competition. 12. To put that in some perspective, I mean... If you if you score five goals, you are a legend in your home country in World Cup competition. Pele's got 12 all-time World Cup goals and World Cup finals. It's He's an amazing player. He was an amazing ambassador for the game. Again, even if you're not a soccer fan, odds are you know the name Pele. And uh, prayers up for his family and his friends as he is unfortunately uh, succumbed to his illness earlier this afternoon. 82 years old, Pele, one of the best to ever do it in the world of international football, and may he rest in peace. Not an easy transition from that, but we're here to talk sports here on Hacker After Dark, a special edition of Hacker After Dark. We're in for the Franzi Show, and we certainly appreciate you hanging out with us here on a Thursday afternoon in Jacksonville, Florida. Tonight in Nashville, the Cowboys, the Titans. We'll see what Tennessee has. They are resting a lot of guys heading into next Sunday's AFC South Championship game here in Jacksonville. Let's go to Nashville, Tennessee. Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. What is the thought about the Titans' chances going into next Sunday? What's the thought on Mike Vrabel resting so many of his players tonight against Dallas to get ready for that game here against Jacksonville. We'll talk Titans. It's going to be a big topic in a very short amount of time. We'll jump the gun next with Mickey Ryan up in Nashville. It's Hacker After Dark, a special edition here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now, Hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. 
We are glad you are with us. The Tennessee Titans tonight take on the Dallas Cowboys. They look like they're resting a lot of guys on the surface. About 10 guys are out for Tennessee. And, of course, they'll come to Jacksonville a week from Sunday for the AFC South Championship game. Mickey Ryan does sports radio, 104.5 The Zone up in Nashville. You also hear him on the Titans radio network, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Mickey, how we doing, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Just happy to be on with the uh, good folks in Jacksonville again. How the heck are you doing? Did you have a good Christmas? Santa Claus find you again this year? Oh, he did. There's no doubt about that. My three-year-old had a great Christmas as well. Thank you for uh, for asking. And the Jaguars had a great Christmas, quite frankly, Mickey, with what happened to Tennessee against Houston uh, last weekend. The Titans have lost five games in a row on the uh, surface. It looks like bad times up there in Nashville. What's the... What's the feeling about this Tennessee ball club heading into tonight's game? Well, uh, those those bad times are well beneath the surface right now with those five straight losses. You know, it's interesting. In any fan base, you always have the people who are just, everything's going to be okay, and they're going to win, and I believe in this team, and, you know, that are going to just believe until there's nothing left to believe in anymore. But there are some people who've started to say, you know, when do the draft magazines come out? And, you know, maybe if they didn't make the playoffs, they could uh, get a little bit better position for, you know, an offensive lineman or maybe an explosive playmaker that could help this, my gosh, this anemic offense of the Titans. But uh, uh, there is still hope to cling to. And, you know, we're still in the holiday season. So I would say more than not, Titans fans are still clinging to some ember of hope. Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone up in Nashville and the Titans Radio Network. Mickey, uh, what, 10 guys out, three guys listed as doubtful tonight against Dallas. It certainly appears that Mike Vrabel is uh, resting guys. Um, is that the case, or are these guys, would they be out next week if the game against Jacksonville was was tonight? No, this is this is very obviously around here uh, that, that he is resting guys. You know, he – he got asked after the loss of the Texans, so does this change things against Dallas this week? Because that game doesn't really matter. And in a rare moment of his guard kind of dropping, he said, yeah, it probably does. And then he did he sort of put his Mike Vrabel, you know, facade back on and went right back to work. And But he said, you know, I got a lot of guys who are given everything they have and, you know, are diminished physically. And he kind of talked in some circles after that. But that first sentence really told us everything we needed to know. So, there are a whole bunch of guys who will be, you know, out with injuries, wink, wink, tonight. Uh, Tom Pelissero has already reported that Derrick Henry is not going to play. That's what his sources are telling him. You know, it's funny how those national guys seem to uh, be plugged in sometimes, but he's already reporting that Derrick Henry won't play tonight and that the rookie, his son Haskins, will get the, the majority of the carries. But there is a little bit of precedent set for this in 2019, the last time the Titans won a playoff game, they set Derrick Henry, there were only 16 games at that point, in week 15, game 15. He did not play against New Orleans in anticipation that he would be fully healthy, had a little bit of a hammy issue. And then he ran for over 200 yards against the Texans, and the Titans beat them and won the division, and they went on a little bit of a run in the playoffs. So there's a little bit of a precedent for Grable doing this, but absolutely – this is all to prep for you guys in Jacksonville next week. A couple of more from Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville and the Titans 
Radio Network. Mickey Malik Willis did not have a great game last week. Well, let me ask you first and foremost, is Ryan Tannehill done? I mean, is there any chance at all Tannehill plays in Jacksonville next Sunday? Well, you and I are sitting in the heart of SEC country, as you know, you in Florida and me in Tennessee. And, you know, the precedent for the return from tightrope ankle surgery is a guy that we all saw in college, Tua Tagovailoa. So we basically have the warring camps of uh, Ian Rappaport saying he may not be done and Adam Schefter saying, oh, no, he's done, he's done. So nobody really seems to know, but I know this. Ryan Tannehill is the toughest guy. You know, he came out and really probably shouldn't have played the uh, second half of the, the game of his most recent ankle injury, but he did. So I think if there's any way in the world that guy can return, that he will play. But my goodness, to come back that quickly seems almost impossible. You know, the question now for Tannehill might be, is he the guy next year? They could save almost $18 million on the cap if they move on from him. And there's $16.5 million in the hole for next year. So that would barely get them right side up in the cap just to make that move. Is there confidence, Mickey, and Malik Willis that he could come into Jacksonville next week in a game of that magnitude and win? If you put a lie detector on me and ask me that question, I'll probably have to say, not right now. No. <laughs> no. And part of it, honestly, some of it stems from what we've seen from him. Some of it stems from how atrocious the Titans' offensive line has been, and now, and now it's really beat up. And some of it stems from Todd Downing and his play calling, the Titans' offensive coordinator. You know, the Titans average 5.6 points per game in the second half of games, and they average two and a half points in the fourth quarter. So there's just very little confidence in this team, even when it starts well, to finish well offensively. Final moments, Mickey, and I know you got to go get ready for your show in Nashville. Look, I've been telling people all week, I'll continue telling people down here, maybe it's the logo. I got horror memories of that logo with Steve McNair and Eddie George and Frank Wycheck and your co-host there, uh, Blaine Bishop, and just ripping my heart out as a teenager. But I know as well as any Jaguar fans should know, the Titans are going to come in here next week, and they're not going to lay down. They're the AFC South defending champion until they are not. And for any Jaguar fan that thinks next Sunday is going to be easy, I think they're in for a rude awakening. Tennessee's a proud franchise, and – as beat up as they are, I know they're going to battle extremely hard next week. Well, their defense was so good for the first half of the season. They gave up passing yards, but they were great against the run. They got after quarterbacks. They hit quarterbacks. You know, giving Jeff Simmons a couple of extra days rest. Nico Autry is back after missing some significant time. You know, Bud Dupree hasn't given him much this year. He'll rest again this week with hopes you could get the maximum amount from him. If you could get Christian Fulton back and then think about it, a two week rest to Derrick Henry. I mean, even without Brian Tannehill, the Titans defense playing to the level it played earlier this season and a rested Derrick Henry at least does give them some hope and some optimism in that game. But my goodness, man, the Jacks have been on quite a run. We had, I believe it was Mark Long from down your way, the associated press writer a couple of weeks ago when the Titans and the Jacks played their first game and, He's, and Mark, if this wasn't you, I'll still attribute it to you because I believe it was. And he said, guys, think about the future of this division. Which team is most obviously in the best shape of anybody? 
it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they are really set for the future. Doug Peterson was a great hire. Getting Urban out of town was a, just an unbelievably fantastic move that, I mean, he, my gosh, he, he was just a rock holding down this franchise or holding down your franchise. So there's a lot of reason for optimism down there. I think for the Titans, the hope is, can you just put off that optimism plan for maybe one more year? Could you find a way to win that last game? Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. You also hear him as part of the Titans radio network. Mickey, appreciate the time, man. Go have a great broadcast tonight up there in Nashville, and we'll see you next week down here in Jacksonville. You are the best, and happy holidays to you and everybody in Jacksonville, and uh, looking forward to next week. There you go, Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And the big news of the day, at least when it comes to the game tonight, Josh Dobbs will be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. They have apparently decided to bench rookie quarterback Malik Willis. What does that mean going into next week with the assumption that Ryan Tannehill will still not be able to play? It's a mess at the quarterback position right now in Tennessee as they play a game tonight in which they're resting a lot of their guys against the Dallas Cowboys on Amazon Prime Video. One hour down, one hour to go. We're with you till 4 o'clock, a special edition of Hacker After Dark. In for the Franzi Show. Remember, at 4 o'clock, Jaguar Happy Hour, followed by the Doug Peterson Show. That is coming up this afternoon here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Coming up next, into the 3 o'clock hour we go. A little bit in the world of college football. Remember, Kurt Weiler. Of the Osceola, the Rivals.com website covering Florida State. He's in Orlando getting ready for the Cheez-It Bowl. He is coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. And longtime NFL writer and Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, my friend Vic Carucci, also coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us on a Thursday afternoon. Here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM, it's Hacker After Dark. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. One hour down, one hour to go, halftime. Special edition Hacker After Dark in for the Frangie Show. We're taking you up to 4 o'clock, Jaguar Happy Hour, followed by the Doug Peterson Show. That is coming up this afternoon slash evening on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Absolutely love doing sports talk radio. Been doing it now over 20 years, three different Radio stations, what, one, two, three, four different buildings in that time. Wouldn't trade it for anything, absolutely anything. But I wanted to give you guys a little behind-the-curtain peek at some of the things we deal with on a daily basis. So I was talking at hour number one, praising Florida State and Mike Norvell. By the way, we're going to go to Orlando coming up in less than 15 minutes. Kurt Weiler of the Osceola down there getting ready for the cheez Bowl, which kicks off at 5.30 this afternoon. But for those of you that listen to me and have listened to me for many years, you know that I would say before Denmark I became an objective broadcast journalist, you could have probably called me a Florida Gator fan. I have always liked Florida State. I have. Pat Kennedy basketball camp. Loved the Pat Kennedy basketball camp in Tallahassee back in the day. Also sat with the animals at Dick Hauser Stadium. A few times in my life. I can break bread with the garnet and gold, but I think that most people that listen over the years would say that I have Florida Gator leanings, which is fine. 
But this is what we deal with on a daily basis. So after praising Mike Norvell last hour, I get a couple of texts on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures at 641-1010. Get off Norvell's... I don't believe I can say that. Stuff. Get off Norvell's stuff, although they did not say stuff. Coach of the year, just because he beat down two teams in Florida and Miami, Napier could ask Norvell a thing or two about what he's doing when it comes to recruiting. Gators gave y'all everything y'all wanted. So wait a minute, I'm a Florida State fan now? Uh, Then the, the same person goes on. Yes, he's done very well in the portal, but I hate cocky, arrogant fans like yourself, referring to me. Again, lumping me, the hacker, the guy that many people will tell you bleeds orange and blue and a gator homer and this, that, and the other. Now I am a cocky, arrogant Florida State fan, and now I do realize why people don't like Florida Gator fans. Oh, there is absolutely no doubt about that, Denmark. How quickly y'all forget the Knowles lost three of the last four. That's not true. What, is he talking about the, to the Gators? I guess. Y'all are only one year removed from being a dumpster fire, and you talk like you're Alabama, LOL. Whatever. All I did was simply give Florida State a little love. Norvell was on the hot seat. Florida State was a dumpster fire coming into the year, so people thought. And people thought Mike Norvell might not be the man for the job. And all he did was beat the crap out of Miami, beat Florida, put 90 points combined on both of them, win nine games. They're about to win game 10 when they destroy Oklahoma here in a couple of hours. They're absolutely killing it in the transfer portal yet again. And all of their guys, or most of their guys, are coming back for 2023 including quarterback Jordan Travis. And Florida State is going to be a top 15, if not a top 10 preseason ranked team going into next year. It's just amazing, you know? Either, you know, some people hear what they want to hear or you say something that aggravates somebody. I have never been accused of being a Florida State fan until this very moment where apparently I am a cocky and an arrogant Florida State fan, which I just, quite frankly, found pretty amusing. But you want to talk about giving pointers, Mike Norvell could give Billy Napier a few pointers on the transfer portal. You know, we thought Florida was going to hit the transfer portal hard and heavy. They've done less than nothing. They got a quarterback that no Gator fan is happy about in Graham Mertz. Meanwhile, Sam Hartman, remember all those rumors? He's apparently going to Notre Dame. Devin Leary is going to Kentucky. So not only did Florida not get Devin Leary, they have to play Devin Leary next year. And Mike Norvell on all the recruiting websites has the number one transfer portal ranked team in America right now. Again. I don't know who's going to give who pointers on what. Because Mike Norvell right now in Florida State run the state of Florida. You think I like saying that? When you beat Miami 45-3, when you beat Florida... 45-38, 45-38, give credit where credit's due, brother. And Mike Norvell and the Seminoles own the state right now until Miami or Florida does something about it next year. Florida State, Oklahoma, the world-famous Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando coming up at 5.30. 
Kurt Weiler of the Osceola, the Rivals.com website, covering Florida State. He's in Orlando getting ready for the game. Let's talk Florida State-Oklahoma. Let's talk how great Florida State's doing in the transfer portal. And we'll take an early look ahead to what this team may look like in 2023. Florida State football, Kurt Weiler, the Osceola next on a special edition of Hacker After Dark. Now, hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Florida State getting ready for the Cheez-It Bowl later this week where they will take on Oklahoma. They look to cap off a 10-win season. Who would have ever thought that a few months ago? And Florida State is currently just cleaning up once again in the transfer portal. There is a lot to get into with that, let's head to Orlando. Kurt Weiler, the Osceola, down there getting ready for the Cheez-It Bowl. Always kind enough to join us on 1010XL. Kurt, how we doing, man? Uh, doing well. I think I'm supposed to say I'm feeling the cheesiest. Isn't that the, uh, the Cheez-It <laughs> phrase? That's right. That's exactly right. And, and look, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the game. But I certainly want to get into the portal and look ahead to next year. Here's my thoughts on the game. I think Florida State's going to destroy Oklahoma. I thought that since the bowl game was announced, Florida State's very good. Oklahoma is not. Plus, Oklahoma has guys sitting out. Florida State seems much more motivated. I mean, you're on the ground down there. You tell me, Kurt, but from the mile-up view, it looks like Florida State might have an easy time of this later this week. I think that's absolutely a world where where that happens. I mean, when you look at, I think Florida State, I mean, was the better team this season. And then I think you also look at Oklahoma is dealing with a few key opt-outs. They're, they're very effective running back, Eric Gray. I think both are starting uh, def- offensive tackles, a starting defensive lineman who I think had like 10 tackles for loss this season. They're missing a few pieces. Florida State is not. A few guys still making decisions, but they're all here this week. Fabian Lovett's here. Jared Verse is here. Jamie Robinson's here. I mean, Florida State, like you said, Hasn't been here a ton. And, I mean, I think uh, the, the, the cheese at bowl, and I'm not sure I'm blaming them because I think a, lo- a lot of Oklahoma fans are going to travel. But I think they chose a, a bigger brand over a better team. They could have taken a Texas Tech or someone like that who might be a bit better of a team. But they went with a bigger brand, and it makes uh, what should be a battle of, I mean, two pretty big ban- brands in college football, Florida State and Oklahoma. We'll see uh, what, what kind of game it makes. I'm not sure if things could get more positive for Florida State football right now if they win that's a 10 win season uh boy just everybody seems like they're coming back I know there's a couple of guys that are still deciding but from Jordan Travis on down Kurt it appears that guys are really bought in coming back for 2023 where Florida State may be a preseason top 10 team next year I think that that preset game against LSU week one next year down back here in Orlando I mean could be very well a a top eight, top ten-ish type game. I mean, that's going to be probably the premier game of opening weekend, I have to imagine, just with all LSU's bringing back two. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, it's uh, it's been great. I think that uh, Florida State had a, a new NIL collective launch a few weeks ago with the battle's end. I know the kind of focus for them was a lot of roster retention stuff, and you, you've seen that. I think some guys were motivated to come back anyways. I wonder how hard you had to sell the Jordan Travises, to sell the Trey Bensons, on what what the 2023 season could be if kind of things break the right way but yeah and I think uh we've seen a bit of a ripple effect there and I think we'll uh, find out shortly after if I mean if things can get even better with a guy like a Jared Verse coming back if Johnny Wilson comes back at wide receiver there are still a few pieces that uh 
could really even take the 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 ex or the 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 preseason hype to another level for this team. Kurt Weiler of the Osceola, part of the Rivals Network, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Kurt, you follow this team as closely as anybody. If I were to tell you back on the 15th day of August that you're playing in a bowl game for the right to win 10 games, what would you have said back then? Yeah, I, I would have uh, been skeptical. I mean, to say the least, it's uh, not how I saw this season going. I think uh, it's a testament to a mix of things. I think uh, it, 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 you, you can't deny that. I think some teams on your schedule were not as good as you thought they were going to be, or you caught them at the right time with, with backup quarterbacks or with injuries, things of that sort. But you also can't deny, I mean, Florida State was dominating a lot of those teams. They weren't leading much doubt during kind of the meat of that schedule with what ending the, the regular season on the uh, five game winning streak. And it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I probably wouldn't have uh, been inclined to believe you, but uh, witnessing it now, it's uh, it's been something to behold. You know, I'll give Mike Norvell credit in another area too. And you and I talked about this at points during the year. Well, a lot of, a lot of uh, momentum for Mario Cristobal at Miami, Billy Napier, at Florida, and there were certainly times last offseason where Mike Norvell was clearly the third coach in the state with everybody that was talking about Cristobal, everybody that was talking about Napier. Norvell beat both. They put 90 points on Florida and Miami combined, and they're state champions and what they're doing now in the portal, which we'll get to in a moment. It could have been really bad for Florida State, but certainly it turned out much, much better. And, and what Mike Norvell did this year not only with that team, not only what he did building that roster, but in taking that momentum back from Miami and Florida, I thought was huge, Kurt. I, I agree. I think, I mean, the other two were going to get a bit more of kind of that that grace period just with being first-year coaches. I mean, obviously, I think most people understand that these things uh, take time, even if there's some confusion maybe over what that vision is in the uh, in the moment. But, uh, yeah, no, I think he desperately needed this season. Desperately needed this season. Because, I mean, I think uh, people were, I mean, we've talked about, people were patient. People understood the situation he inherited. But uh, it, it was time for a season like this. Kurt, what is the feeling among you, your colleagues at the Osceola? You mentioned Jared Verse. You mentioned Johnny Wilson. Guys that have not officially come out one way or another and made their intentions known for next year. What is the vibe with guys like that? Do you feel they're coming back as well? Well, I mean, it, 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 I don't know. I wrote a column a while ago I mean, the Jordan Travis ripple effect where he was kind of the first big domino to fall. We'll see. I mean, the fact that it's gone on this long is, uh, it, it speaks to, uh, I think some, some, uh, uh, indecisiveness on their part. I mean, I think there is the desire to come be a part of this. I mean, I think Jamie Robinson, honestly, is a guy who thought, he was only going to be at Florida State for one year when he transferred in. Now I think he's considering year three, and I think he's considering it more than he thought he was when kind of after the Florida game, he talked about that being his last game at Doak. I think Jared Verse, uh, I, I think a lot of it for him hinges on draft feedback because he's a guy who could really boost his stock if he's maybe not getting the feedback he wants, which it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we may not hear about that, but I think that could, his decision will likely be determined by that. And I would think if he came back, I think he – would be excited to be a part of it. And I think there is definitely a chance on Jared more than probably I would have thought at the end of the season. But I think a lot of that hinges on draft feedback. Fabian Lovett's hard to get a read on just because, I mean, he definitely did not have the year he had, but I think he's a case where 
you, it's harder to maybe see the uh, the the room for improvement, how he could build his draft stock or anything like that by coming back for one more year. I, I mean, Florida State's bringing in two transfer defensive tackles, kind of transforming that room a bit. Be interested to see how all those pieces fit together if Fabian Lovett did come back, but I think that's a, a problem that Florida State would happily take on. Final moments here with Kurt Weiler, the Osceola, that, of course, is part of the Rivals Network covering Florida State. Kurt, you mentioned the transfer portal. Mike Norvell has made a living in the transfer portal. He revolutionized Florida State's roster in the transfer portal, and he's doing it again. I think in a lot of the ranking board, transfer portal ranking boards, Florida State is currently number one. They're bringing in guys that will no doubt start for them. The tight end from South Carolina. They've added a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, the big defensive lineman from Miami. I think they just got another big defensive lineman that, that committed out of the portal yesterday from, from the Mid-American Conference. So, again, for the third year in a row, Norvell is just simply getting it done in the portal. I think he uses the portal. I think uh, it's interesting that people have kind of seemed to take notice. I think rival fan bases have, have maybe have a bit of envy, it seems like, over how the, the kind of – market inefficiency that that Mike Norvell has found in the portal. I think uh, I think he understands that the the success like long-term success in Tallahassee is largely going to come through the high school ranks and you've seen that start to tick up and I'm not so much worried about that like Miami and Florida were both ahead of Florida State in the recruiting rankings among high school guys this year because to me like this season's success especially parlayed into next year would always was always going to mean more for that 2024 class which I know is off to a very strong start for Florida state. And so I think, uh, I think you'll see the high school improve, especially starting in that class, if they parlay this year's success in the next year. But yeah, I mean, I think he's been very smart at identifying he and his staff, I should say very smart at identifying instant needs that even bringing in a high school guy, isn't going to address it because not a ton of high school guys are ready for significant roles year one and being fast with reaching out to people. And I mean, just making some really impressive moves. I mean, Poland, you talked about, you have Braden Frist from, Fisk from Western Michigan beaten out. Uh, I mean, he's a Midwest kid and you beat out Notre Dame and you beat out USC, which I know has kind of built a bit of a, bit of a reputation as one of the, uh, the kind of NIL machines, if you will, with what they did last off season. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it, it's been really impressive to witness. And I think uh, it's something Mike Norvell, even as things keep going, and even as I'm sure they will start trying to use, high school recruiting more heavily. I think it is a really smart way to identify your, your instant needs and address them with, I mean, time and time again, it's been some of the, the most highly regarded players in the transfer portal. And yeah, they're, they're doing it again. Kurt, as we wrap up with you, there was a thought that the NIL situation in Tallahassee may not be what it is at other rival schools, Clemson, Miami, Florida, just to name a few. There was also a thought that the standalone football facility or lack thereof in Tallahassee could become an issue with what they built in Gainesville. And none of this seems to matter because they're getting good recruits. They're getting guys out of the portal. I mean, with the NIL now at Florida State, you know, the football facility that I know is coming, boy, if they're doing it without that stuff, imagine what they could do when they start getting some of that stuff. I think that's an astute observation. I think that's, I mean, it's a credit to, Mike Norvell, and I mean, he may not have Billy Napier's uh, some huge support staff, although he has a sol solid support staff. He may not have John Ruiz's deep pockets, but there, there is something about Mike Norvell that uh, is very compelling to uh, a, a lot of, especially the transfers, but I think more and more of the high school guys, too.
Kurt Weiler of the Osceola down in Orlando covering the cheese it Bowl. Kurt, always appreciate the time, man. Know you're busy. Enjoy the game. Have a happy new year, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Ryan. Thanks. Thank you to Kurt Weiler of the Osceola. That's, of course, the Rivals.com website covering Florida State. They kick it off against Oklahoma down at the cheese it Bowl in Orlando. That is coming up at 530, roughly 530 this afternoon. All things going on. Obviously, we got to talk more about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got the big one next Sunday against Tennessee. People are wondering if that game is going to get flexed to a Saturday night or a Sunday night. We don't know yet. The NFL will make those announcements over the weekend. You would think, though, a win-or-go-home scenario for a division championship, there's a likelihood that it will get flexed. Again, nothing official as of yet. But before Jacksonville gets there, before the Jaguars can take on the Titans, let's go into nine-game losing streak against the Houston Texans. The Jaguars go out to Houston on Sunday, a 1 o'clock kick. Of course, you'll get the game right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk Trevor Lawrence. Let's talk Doug Peterson with a man that has covered the National Football League for many, many years. My friend Vic Carucci, you now hear him on Sirius XM NFL Radio. He is a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, and he is next. A special edition of Hacker After Dark in for the Frangie Show here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. The Jaguars and the Texans Sunday at 1 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. What a run it has been for the Jaguars to get themselves to within one win next Sunday against Tennessee of winning the AFC South Division Championship. Vic Carucci has covered the NFL for many years. You hear him on SiriusXM NFL Radio. He's also a contributor to WGRZ-TV in Buffalo, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Vic, it's been a while, man. How are you? I am well, and uh, of course, happy days to you and your family. Hey, Vic, thank you so much. Really appreciate that, and my goodness, what a turnaround here in Jacksonville. You and I talked at the beginning of the year. We didn't know what to expect from Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence in year number one, and it wasn't always pretty. It hasn't always been pretty. But, Vic, over the last six weeks, the Jaguars have made a great run to get themselves to within one win of a division title. What have you made of uh, what the Jaguars have done here as of late? Oh, man, it's so impressive uh, to really see how steadily this has come along. I mean, this team went from being kind of just left out of the, the picture early on and a same old Jags type of conversation, even with a new coach and, you know, where's the progress with Trevor Lawrence, uh, even though we had seen some moments of it, but nothing that was sustained. And and then suddenly it, it, it started to materialize. Now, you know, we can't ignore the fact that the AFC South has left a wide open door for the Jaguars and, and certainly for the, for the Titans as well. But, but I think especially for, a Jaguar team that has literally clawed its way back, pun intended, clawed its way uh, to a position where now you can see progress turn into meaningful progress, turn into the kind of thing 
that you can build upon if, if they can come away from come away from this thing with the division championship. Vic, Trevor Lawrence, as recently as Halloween, the game in London against Denver, admittedly was terrible, and he'll tell you as much. And he said that was a turning point. I mean, you've done this for a long time. Can, can you, you know, just talk about Trevor the first two months of the year compared to what we've seen the last two months? Because, Vic, he looks like a completely different football player. Well, he does. Um, and let's start with giving the credit to him, first of all, to – uh, not only recognize that he needed to improve, but then put the work in to do so. And, and you know, improve is a general term. What were the specific areas that he needed to address? You know, the, the reads and all that went with decision-making and accuracy and footwork and, you know, all the ball placement. I mean, all the, the details that ultimately he worked on, but then he also had Doug Peterson to guide him and, and Doug is masterful at this. You know, we thought in the off season, I mean, we thought when that hire was made uh, that the Jaguars were getting the right guy, especially in the aftermath of the whole urban Meyer disaster to have uh, the right guy come in to address their biggest asset, who is Trevor Lawrence. And uh, the concerns were there. Uh, did they pick the right guy? Could they have missed on the top overall pick? And when that happens, you you know, the residual effect is is a long time where you're not well as a team, where it takes a long time to get it back. But I, I think it's impressive uh, that he, uh, you know, saw that as as maybe his low, low point and, and then, you know, invested the time, but also had the guidance. And it's one thing, of course, to get the guidance, get the coaching, but you got to accept it. And you also have to take accountability, which I think is also important. And, and did at some point something click in his head where he said, you know, to be a successful quarterback in this league, look around at all the great quarterbacking stories, the stories behind the, the highly accomplished quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Peyton Man, you know, just go through the list, Drew Brees, and, and recognize how they got there. And they didn't get there just because – they were anointed great quarterbacks. They put the work in. You see Vic Carucci on WGRZ television in Buffalo. You hear him on Sirius XM NFL radio, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Vic, you talk about Doug Peterson. It's about the X's and O's. It's about the play calling, absolutely. But as you mentioned, it was so much more than that. He had to clean the stench up from not only Urban Meyer, but, Vic, really the stench of almost 15 years of ineptitude here in Jacksonville, save the 2017 season, I'll give you an unbelievable stat. Prior to Doug Peterson, the Jaguars were 1-112 and 112 when they trailed by 17 points in a game. They'd won one of them out of 113 opportunities in their, in their history. This year they've won twice under Doug Peterson, trailing by 17 points or more in a game. Vic, he's changed the culture here in Jacksonville in a very short amount of time. Yeah, it's a belief system thing, right? You've got to uh, not only, you know, in, in the case of the players, believe in the guy leading you, but also his genuine belief that what he is selling is, is, is real, is, is, is uh, applicable, is uh, tangible, and that isn't always the case. Sometimes coaches are, I mean, coaches always have to be really good salesmen, 
but but sometimes you can see through the salesman and see that there isn't a lot of substance behind it. Uh, you know, and I and then I think there are circumstances, uh, and I'm not just saying that as a veiled thing about Urban Meyer. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that there are many cases like that that I've seen through the many years of, of being around the NFL, uh, being around football in general. In Doug's case, uh, look, he, he steps into a place where expectations are start with how are we going to fail this time? You know, like, and, and I, and I mean, to really get people to, to buy into what you're doing, your fan base, you know, people like yourself, media who've been around this team and understand how long it's been since you saw anything worth watching. And Doug Peterson, who of course has, has the pelt, has that Super Bowl championship, understands what it took to get the Eagles to where they were, has been part of other organizations as a player and a coach to understand what it, you know, he's, he's been around the best of the best. He's seen uh, the, the Andy Reeds and the, and the others who built these programs. He comes with a base of knowledge uh, and, and a, a, a vision. And I think the, the key was to convince uh, everybody there that this can work. Now, how he was able to do that after such a poor start and, and that bottoming out that you saw in Europe uh, is even more astounding. But my my sense was if they could give it time and patience, it'll work out. But you know what? Patience is a hard thing to to grasp uh, in, in uh, professional sports or in sports in general. A couple of more for Vic Carucci, Sirius XM NFL Radio and a contributor to WGRZ TV in the Buffalo area Vic the question this offseason did they surround Trevor Lawrence with enough talent to be successful and I think that question has been answered Travis Etienne is a thousand yard rusher and look the Jaguars got raked over the coals a little bit for some of the money they spent in free agency on Christian Kirk or Zay Jones or Evan Ingram Vic all three of those guys are having career years and maybe I'm too much of a a stats geek but Evan Ingram in particular the guy's a top five tight end all of a sudden, statistically speaking. It's it's amazing the turnaround Ingram has had here in Jacksonville. Yeah, and, you know, if you're looking for some of the reasons why it has clicked for Trevor Lawrence, you could start right there. Having that kind of target, having the reliability uh, of a tight end and you know the efficiency that that position can bring because it's often not the – the deeper routes that are, are explosive plays, those are plays that will keep chains moving and, and have allow your offense to develop and maintain a rhythm. Now, you also mentioned Zay Jones, and I'm familiar with him from, you know, my time of being around the Buffalo Bills. Uh, when he came into the league, you know, you saw the promise. You saw the athlete, but it just wasn't connecting. Now, some of that, if not most of that, could have been because – he just didn't, you know, it, 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 they didn't have the right offense in place and certainly the right quarterback in place for him to thrive. It wasn't, you know, Josh Allen circa 2022 or even 2019. But uh, Zay, uh, through his time post-Buffalo, uh, I think in his own way, found some maturing. And, and it, when you have him doing the kinds of things he's done, I think I've, I've watched the effort he's made on plays uh, with the Jaguars, and, and I've been highly impressed. That's a different guy than I saw at the beginning of his career. Vic, the Jaguars are in a unique position as we begin to wrap up with you. They play the Texans on Sunday, a game they'd like to win. I mean, Houston's won nine in a row 
against Jacksonville, which is an unbelievable stat when you really sit down and think about it. Yet all eyes are pointing towards a week from Sunday where the AFC South Championship will be decided here in Jacksonville between the Jaguars and the Titans. Uh, Doug Peterson has already come out this week and said it's full steam ahead. The guys are going to play, no no rest. He wants to keep this momentum going. What's your thought on the, I guess, the quandary the Jaguars are in with a division game on the road, yet obviously Week 18 is far more important? Yeah, look, I, I also understand uh, the position that people have that, you know, don't don't do anything that could jeopardize your chances of, of winning it uh, in terms of risking injury and so forth between now and the game that, quote, really counts. However, uh, treating this game like a bye could be the mistake that Doug Peterson doesn't want to make, and that is get your team in a headspace where they're not uh, focused, where the momentum that, that's built up to the point where they're they're in this position to win it all in terms of the division a week from this weekend uh, could be disrupted. So they want to, like he says, full steam ahead. Now, would it shock me if at various points in the game he's liberal with substitution? And, you know, depending on how the flow of the game is going, uh, does he do some things that he might not have not might not otherwise do? Uh, if this game meant as much as the following game, that's what you got to keep an eye on. But as far as preparation, as as far as attitude, I don't think he wants his team to think in any way, hey, here's here's a nice little early bye week for you, because you do have to, as far as they've come as a team this year, you want that momentum rolling all the way into uh, not only winning a division, and then that's just the beginning. Then there's work to do after that to, to make that count for something. Hey, Vic, final question. And look, I've been warning people here in Jacksonville this week, and I'll continue warning them next week. Tennessee, I know they're down right now. I get it. It does not look good. They got injuries all over the place. Maybe it's that logo. And we've had, you know, horror stories of what the Titans have done to the Jaguar franchise going back 25-plus years. But I'm telling people, Vic, that game a week from Sunday is not going to be easy. Tennessee is the AFC South champion until they're not. And you know uh, the Jaguars are going to get their absolute best shot in that winner-go-home scenario. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, you're, you're, you're advising the right way on that, uh, Ryan, because uh, they are uh, a well-coached, well-put-together club. They're struggling. Yep, they've had their issues. But that still is Mike Vrabel. And I consider him as good as it gets coaching-wise and especially in clutch situations. He will have, you know, whatever that team looks like at that point, health-wise, you know, quarterback, uh, defense, all, all the, uh, you know, all the critical areas where they've also had some injury issues. Um, he's going to have them ready. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's going to have them as ready as possible to make the point. And, you know, by no means does he want their season to end with, oh, yeah, we're the team – that, you know, punched uh, Jacksonville's ticket to win the division. And it would be uh, quite a collapse. Look, Tennessee's lost five in a row. The Jaguars have won four out of five, but Tennessee can erase all of that if they were to come to Jacksonville and win a week from Sunday. Vic Carucci, Sirius XM NFL Radio. You also see MWGRZ Television 
in Buffalo. Vic, I know you're busy. Thank you as always, my friend. Have a happy new year. And if the Jaguars do make a playoff run, we'll be dialing your phone next month. Thank you, my friend. All right. My pleasure. Always happy to join you. Vic Carucci, always enjoy the conversation with him here on Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. The Jaguars getting ready to go to Houston on Sunday. The Jaguar injury report is out. There were no DNPs today, no uh, did not practice, which is a good sign. Trevor Lawrence from a DNP yesterday to limited today. Ross Matissic, the long snapper, a DNP to limited today. Other guys that were limited are Andrew Wingard, Trayvon Walker, Brandon Sheriff, and Foley Fadakasi. I said earlier, I would not play Trayvon Walker on Sunday. I would not play Fadakasi on Sunday against Houston. Those guys have been on the injury report the last couple of weeks. They've missed the last couple of games with the injury to Dewan Smoot. You need Walker and Fadakasi as healthy as possible going into Tennessee a week from Sunday. So if that means an extra couple of days of rest and missing the Houston game, so be it. Because you would have to imagine with the Titans' issues at quarterback, Derrick Henry might get that ball 35 times next Sunday against the Jaguars. They have got to be ready for Derrick Henry and that Titans running game. Well, that'll just about do it. Thank you to the Franzi Show for letting me hop in here on a special edition of Hacker After Dark. We're about to send you off to Jaguar Happy Hour. Also, the Doug Peterson Show coming up this afternoon. Hacker After Dark streams every night on the 1010XL YouTube channel and on 1010XL's Twitter page. Just uh, right about 8 o'clock each night, search 1010XL on Twitter or 1010XL on YouTube, and you can watch Hacker After Dark there weeknights on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We got a ton of people to thank. Again, Vic Carucci of Sirius XM NFL Radio, Kurt Weiler of the Osceola, the Rivals website covering Florida State as they get ready to kick off against Oklahoma in the Cheez-It Bowl coming up. In about 90 minutes, in hour number one, Mickey Ryan, 104.5 The Zone up in Nashville, talking about the Titans' issues. And, of course, Aaron Wilson gave us the Texan side of things out in Houston as Jacksonville gets ready to travel out to Houston, Texas on Sunday. We'll be back tomorrow night for a Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark. We hope you join us then. For Dylan Denmark, I'm the Hacker Ryan Green. Jacksonville, it's been a pleasure And we'll talk to you tomorrow night, beginning at 9 o'clock. Until then, have a great afternoon. Jaguar Happy Hour, coming up next.